Welcome to the Eat the Country podcast. I'm your host, Tom Radford. This week, what's your poison? Kombucha or Wolfsbane? Hello, sausages. Welcome to the Eat the Country podcast. This is the first of many, I hope. So what are we going to talk about this week? Well, it's been quite an interesting week because if you've been following what I've been up to, you'll know that I've been um, partaking of a bit of van life. I have um, been in London the whole time that I've been doing Eat the Country. And now I find myself um, wanting to get out, get on the road, you know, uh, shoot the breeze a little bit. So I've got myself a little camper van and I've headed out. Um, why did I... Why am I doing? What is what is Eat the Country? What is it for? Why am I doing it? I'm going to give you a very short version of this, which is basically I was... I'm from the countryside. I grew up in the New Forest, liked a bit of foraging, liked all that kind of thing. I had this kind of thing as a kid about being, you know... I wanted to be like, you know, this World War Three kind of hero, kind of living in the forest like a tree rat. And I love this idea. I got really excited about this idea about surviving without the sort of the system you know without shops and stuff I got very excited about that as a kid when I was about 11 years old I got the uh, the SAS survival handbook by Lofty Wiseman and that was my bible you know and I was going to make kind of pig spear traps and you know poisons and you know learn how to evade capture and all this kind of stuff anyway none of that panned out end up <laughs> you know getting into beer and girls about the age of 16 17 and then trying to be a rock star in my 20s um doing lots of crap jobs, you know, getting married, having kids, those kind of things. Anyway, I'm now divorced and I'm 50 years old. I've got three amazing children. And, yeah, I got back to the UK. So I've been living in Singapore for a while and I got very homesick, you know, and I used to, I got so homesick when I was living in Singapore, I used to, like, watch, um, <laughs> like, the first three series of, of, of River Cottage, like, on loop. Because I loved what that was about. I loved it when it was small, not when it got to the big, you know, sheddy thing with all the kind of, sheepskins and friends and hanger on as I like the whole small thing where he had the sort of little house and the little stream and the you know, sort of strange old lord next door and I thought chickens and pigs and I thought that's great I'd love to do something like that because I'd got into video making when I was in Singapore so I thought yeah so I came back I thought I want to make some content in the countryside and I did try a few things anyway got on to eat the country well when was it I suppose eat the country was started in November 2020 one um and yeah it was weird you know so it went from there really and i started with forage because i mean i'm i'm eat the country's a lot a lot of foraging going on you know it's, oh you're the forager you're the mushroom man one of the reasons i did foraging and i was very interested in foraging i still am fascinated by foraging i love it um but i, I did it because um i don't know i it's cheap <laughs> it's cheap it's free you can i was going down the park and i because i'd come up with this death on death or dinner concept i didn't have to find stuff you could eat i could find anything and as long as it was something that you could, you could find out an interesting story about you know then then it was great it, uh, you know it's got this in it or you know someone uses this as a poison or someone uses this as a medicine or henry h shoved up his bum or whatever it was it suddenly became really really interesting to um, talk about any of these kind of stuff and you're never going to run out of plants you're never going to run out of stories so I realised I had endless material but the wider concept of Eat the Country because I say because I was into the kind of river cottage and you know stuff um, also sorry slight slight tangent 
I I used to watch. I mean, you know, we all knew that there's a certain program about the countryside on the BBC, which tends to air on a Sunday. And I found that that program, whilst it's a valid document and it is useful for the countryside, I'm not slagging it off, but it's a bit dry and a bit worthy. And also putting it out, you know, mid-morning on a Sunday, who's going to watch it? And I think that's doing an injustice to the countryside because I think the countryside, there's like 11 million people live in the countryside in the UK or something around that number. And, you know, that's a huge number of people. And the countryside is a fun and vibrant and bonkers place. I grew up in the countryside and I love it. And I feel that that particular programme only covers a small aspect of it. And I wanted to sort of go go out there and have some fun, a bit rock and roll, you know. So my presenting style, the reason that I do the, the stuff I do about mushrooms and stuff or plants is I just try and make it fun. And it just because that's how I'd be if I was hanging out with my mates and we were having a couple of beers, you know. That's how, that's the kind of silly banter that would happen. So that's how this came about. But also, it's not just about foraging. It's about wild food, sustainable food, uh, local producers, local seeds. Because I wanted, I wanted to sort of have a theme about not just saying British in a kind of nationalist way. I think, I, you know, we're an island race. You always import stuff. And, you know, God, I love all Italian food, um, French food, German, all, all Asian food I love. But I'm just curious about what we've got and what is misrepresented and um, you know, what we can eat from this country and what we can afford to eat, you know, because a lot of stuff you'll find in farm shops and stuff. And I'm quite cross about this. I went to a farm shop recently and I saw rabbits at eight pounds a rabbit. I saw dressed crabs, British dressed crabs at 27 pounds in, in a restaurant, in a farm shop, uh, in a particularly well-known farm shop. And I thought, well, this is rubbish. I mean, how are you going to get people to eat local and eat sustainable and eat, you know, support local producers and stuff for the coming out at these prices? You're making it like this kind of, you know, um, boutique level food. It's like buying bloody caviar, just trying to eat things like rabbits. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You can get rabbits for, I mean, if you know where to go, they're nothing, you know, and you're helping out a farm and you're not messing with the rabbits because rabbits will come back as, you know, you go out and kill 50 rabbits, they'll be back in three months. And you may argue with that case, fine. But, you know, if you grow up in the countryside, you know about how rabbits are and stuff and pigeons and other things. You know, game and, and wild food and foraged food and locally sourced food and hopefully organically if possible or organic methods, whether they've got a license or not, um, is better for you. I'm not saying that you have to eat it all the time because it might be, even if, it, if the prices were more balanced, it's still going to be a bit pricey, but it's good to have it sometimes. And it's good to understand that you have that option. I think that's the thing. I think that a lot of supermarkets um, and a lot of the media doesn't push that message enough that there is stuff available, which is local and seasonal and low carbon um, and better for you. Um, and foraging, you know, you have to be careful. I can't have everybody, we can't have everybody out there foraging everything because there isn't enough. But it's a nice thing to do from time to time. And also the great thing about foraging, particularly for young people, for children and stuff, is it's so educational. I mean, I made a film uh, last week that I put out on the weekend about... Um, sorry, pardon me. I am drinking some rather... I'll talk about what I'm drinking later on. But something that was sent to me by a fantastic company in Scotland. But it does make you a little bit windy. Bless them. Um, someone said, I made a film about Wolfsbane. And I wanted to make that film for a long time because I hadn't found any wolfsbane. So I found it in a poison garden, um, the Kelly House poison garden uh, down in Devon, which is definitely worth a visit. It's a small place and they're just trying to do something, they're trying to diversify, diversify and do something different. Um, and they've got loads of nasty plants, which are really interesting. But anyway, so I 
made that film. And a woman messaged me this morning saying, my goodness, I've got this three of these in my garden. And I've got young children who are too young to be taught about this. So she's going to dig them up. Now, I'm not advocating going out and digging up beautiful plants. But if you have young children and they don't understand, it's important that you are educated and people know what's what. So there's a, there's a fun aspect to it there. Um, so I find that really, really interesting and, and really, 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 really good that people can learn about foraging, not just in terms of things to eat, but just learning about what plants are and what they do. Some of them have healing properties. Some of them are poisonous. Some of them are edible. Some of them are pretty much useless in terms of those things, but just nice to look at. And I have to say, since I've done this, it's funny this afternoon because I sat down and I, I, was, I was sitting just like doing a sort of recall of how many plants I've learned and how many plants I've learned this year. And I was really pleased with the amount that I know. And, you know, walking down a path, walking through a forest and seeing all these plants and knowing the names and knowing the stories and knowing the properties. And it's it, suddenly a walk in the woods or a walk down a path becomes a whole adventure. This is the thing. That you know, people like Richard maybe I think were, were, were conveying in their books, and what's his name? Was it John Wright? Richard John Wright? I don't know the guy who did um, Foraging Calendar. That's what they're conveying. It's so it suddenly a walk comes alive because everything you see, you, you can you can you can you can you've got a connection with. So yeah, that's what. So this is why I've done what I've done, um, and I'm having a brilliant time. And um, the reason I'm in a van is because I can't afford any rent. Um, I have, <laughs> I say, to my utter, and I genuinely, this is nothing haughty at all, utter surprise, all these, these followers, and I'm so grateful for them, and so grateful to all of you people for following me, and all and the lovely comments and DMs I get every day, the most amazing people, um, but I still haven't got any sponsorship, um, and that's not a plea, it's more like, um, it's a battle, it's a journey, it's a, it's a puzzle, which I will figure out, but I don't have a lot of money, so actually, I'm kind of like this idea that I'm going to be in a van and I'm going to be driving about the place and meeting people and, you know, you wake up in a different place every day. It's quite fun. A bit of a hobo existence. Um, so that kind of covered. Uh, this week, what's going on? Well, I'll talk about what we're going to do on the podcast today. There's two things I really want to talk about. One, the people I meet. So one person I met who literally I was out, um, I was down in Dorset, um, just in a lay by uh wonder well not to let it's a great car park with this amazing view it's like and there's nobody there i suppose it's because it's early in the season um and this woman called emma who has a, a company called curious kombucha now i didn't i'll be honest with you as you'll get from the interview which i'm going to play in a little bit i didn't know anything about kombucha but she messaged me and she said really really cool and stuff so the next thing i know i'm sitting in the kitchen and we're having a you know cup of coffee and and it was great and then she said right now we'll show you where i make it so that just came just out of Instagram, and the, and I've got an interview with her, which is going to be coming up on the podcast in a bit, and you'll understand what, how cool she is. And I love the fact that I just came out of nowhere. I also met up with some amazing people down in um, Torquay, who were vegans, um, and they were great fun. There was no, they didn't want me to push any product or anything. They just wanted to hang out, and it was great fun. We had a brilliant, brilliant night. And then another person who contacted me through the, through through Instagram um, was Sophia Kelly, who has Kelly's house, which is the poison garden I mentioned earlier. I rocked up there and um, stayed in her little B and B, and then I just went out in the garden and made a whole load of films, which you're now seeing on my Instagram. And that's been kind of fun. It's been really fun because, you know, death or dinner, I felt sometimes got a bit boring because it was always death or dinner, but actually it was dinner. Death is kind of fun, right? As long as you know that you're going to, well, I'm just educating you. 
And now I've got loads of great movies out of that. So uh, you've seen them this week. So that's that's kind of where it's been. And what have we been looking at? Springtime, what kind of things can we eat? There's all kinds of things about at the moment. Um, this week I was looking at Lady Smock. I was looking at, uh, I haven't made a film about it yet, but I made one about, about Bugles. Um, there's, you know, there's so many other things. as Primroses are out in force, Pennyworts. Down in the West Country, Pennyworts everywhere. Um, usual kind of things like, uh, cleavers and uh, nettles um, obviously the mushroom season's coming in actually I'm very excited because this week I'm going to be catching up with a friend of mine we're going to do some um, some St George's mushrooms maybe some morels if we're lucky who knows um, that's going to be somewhere in Oxfordshire I believe uh, so um, you know there's there's still there's so much about I me mean, obviously there's the usual kind of there's ground ivies about um, goodness me I can't I, off the top of your head, it's funny just trying to recall all the things. You have to actually walk around the woods to get them all. But spring is weird because in terms of a gardener, like a vegetable gardener, a market gardener, it's called the hunger gap because a lot of things don't grow or aren't coming through yet. You know, they've got some of the winter vegetables and there's, I suppose things like rhubarb are coming through. I suppose some types of kale, um, shard maybe. But it's not getting into the sort of big summer crops. But in terms of foraging, there's a whole load of stuff about at the moment that you can eat, um, which is great. You know, the plantain leaves are coming up as well. So there's lots there's lots to, to be doing and being out and about and getting involved with. So with the podcast, because um, I haven't done podcast, I did a podcast before with a friend of mine, a few friends of mine. But I'm trying to think of ways to sort of make it about me. Now, someone said to me the other day, you know, someone had to go at me about doing my own music on my channel and stuff like that I said I'll just get back to the plants or I was talking about game or I was doing restaurant reviews I made a decision when I set this channel up that it's my channel and it's my way and if you don't like it you can basically take a hike because you know we can all be you know follow the kind of standard social media rules and just you know oh well you know just focus on a subject educate people answer the questions find out their needs it's not really about that to me, the whole reason that social media is what it is is because it's just you being yourself. And we are not creatures. We're not one-dimensional creatures. We follow different paths and different things. So with that in mind, <laughs> and it always seems incredibly um, um, conceited to do it. But anyway, we're going to have a musical interlude. And the musical interlude is going to be um, uh, one of my songs. And it's going to be a song that I did with... Um, my band, Albert's band, we did a recording session in 2012 and we have a bunch of recordings which haven't really seen the light of day. So um, instead of a commercial break, because I don't have any sponsors, maybe we can get sp <laughs> the sponsors to be so desperate not to hear any of my songs that they'll actually come in and fill the gaps. But right now we don't have a sponsor. So um, here's a song and it's a song that I did on my um, uh, Instagram. It's called... Um, suburban dreamer and it's a song about people living in suburbia and literally their kind of aspirations and how things kind of get messed up and actually i wrote it about seven oaks it's one of those rare songs that you're going to hear about seven oaks if there are any other songs about seven oaks do let me know here's a song it's a break it's called and it's called suburban dreamer and then we're going to get back to um, after the break we're going to talk about emma from curious kombucha a Bentley God only knows how many fares he'll need to pay for that car She 
said he's crazy, he's always dreaming The very thing that drew her to him years ago Her memory doesn't stretch back that far But when he's driving, he's really thriving In a town not fit to call itself his home It's just a magazine, a graveyard full of broken dreams Set upon a belt of green You won't remember if you've ever been But it's got the only Bentley driving taxi man I've ever seen I've ever seen She's kind of pretty, or she used to be The queue up to her door is history But she'll always be the girl next door Even though she doesn't live there anymore She's got a family, a community Not a single blank page in her diary But she's miserable as sin And she could never tell him But when she's dreaming, really believing And the ink is pumping words out of her soul She's got another world, another life lived by another girl Not her A beautiful world Save yours! 
Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that. If you didn't, maybe you went and made a cup of tea or buried your head in the sand or did your work for a while. But either way, um, yeah, I, that's, uh, I, I got the idea for that song. I was watching a taxi uh, rank at Seven Oak Station and I was convinced that this car was a Bentley. Actually, in retrospect, I think it might have been some big American car which looks like a Bentley. But anyway, the concept of someone having a Bentley as a taxi seems so ridiculous to me that <laughs> that's why I wrote it. Anyway, so... Last week, was it last week or maybe the week before? Listen, time is relative. Um, um, and I was, I met up with Emma from Curious Kombucha who got in touch with me. And, you know, she 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 basically just said, you know, let's just catch up and talk about stuff. And I said, well, let's do something for the for the, for the first podcast. So she's a wonderful woman. She's an ex-brewer. Um, I won't go too much into it because it's all in the interview. So Emma from, from Curious Kombucha, tell you all about it. She's a, a lives in uh, Dorset. You know, small producer, it's done her own thing, gone her own way. It's not all about the money. It's more about the fact she enjoys it. She enjoys the product. She enjoys the relationship with her customers. And I think it's fabulous. And, and I got to try it, and it was great. So without any further ado, meet Emma from Curious Kombucha. I'm on the road, so I'm meeting people as I go. And I, as you know, I'm, I didn't just root around making dick jokes around mushrooms and, 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 and eating weeds. I'm a big um, exponent and a fan of local produce, local producers, hardworking British people who, you know, do their bit and make something exciting and interesting and also are following their passion. And that has led me, actually, Emma uh, from Curious Kombucha, um, got in touch with me and said, come over and, and you can have some toast. Now, she's failed. There's no toast. <laughs> Um, but there was a cup of tea and some great company. So I'm going to um, introduce you to Emma and we're going to talk a little bit about what she's been doing because it's absolutely fantastic. So um, Emma, Curious Kombucha, um, tell me about it. Well, how did this come about? Okay, hello. So uh, my background is beer. I brewed beer for many years, quite happily. I uh, liked both ends of that production. And then about four years ago, I started making kombucha uh, just at home for myself and my children. And then a friend who has a cafe in Lyme Regis said, Emma, I want kombucha for the cafe. Make me kombucha. So we started selling it. This was at Red Panda in Lyme Regis. A little bit of a name drop there. Red Panda? Red Panda. I know that because they make those fantastic little buns, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buns. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Top yeah. spot. Honestly, it's amazing. Right by the sea, yeah. That's it. Best for you. Um, so, yeah, ticks all those boxes. So, anyway, I started making kombucha for Natalie and co there. And within a few short months, uh, it became obvious that I was onto something that I could do quite well. So I approached Guile59, who I used to work for, tidied up the back of the brewery and uh, moved in, took squatters' rights, claimed squatters' rights and uh, developed different flavours and went from there. So my kombucha is organic green tea kombucha made with spring water, unfiltered, unpasteurised. It's got all the good stuff in. So it's all about feeding your gut, feeding your gut with something that's really positive. So what is, I mean, because I, 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 I'm not an expert on this stuff, because kombucha is something which is um, brewed or is it something which is like a culture? Both. <laughs> <laughs> so we're brewing a big tea. Essentially, I make a, a blooming great big pot of sweet tea and then I run it through a heat exchanger, cool it to about 22 degrees. And then I have a culture of bacteria and yeast called a SCOBY, symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. And the yeast eats the sugars in the kombucha tea, converts them to ethanol, and then the bacteria converts the ethanol to acetic acid. 
So what you're getting is an acidic, nutrient-rich drink. So it's, yeah, it's a brew and it's a ferment. It's, there's lots going on. So you lose the ethanol, that's a shame. I know, I know. But you can, you know, you can do things. There are hard butchers around there. You can make a kombucha and then do a... Hard butchers. Hard booch. <laughs> Your eyes lit up at that one. <laughs> Who's making hard booch? It's not on my days. Yeah, no, you can, you can. You could make, um, you could add some champagne yeast or I'd like to play around with it, but probably not commercially because then you've got to go into all the licensing and blah, blah, and... Paperwork is not my forte. Making kombucha is what makes me happy, not sitting down dealing with admin. And would you be deeply offended if I made cocktails with your kombucha? No, do it. I always say to people, you know, it's all about the balance. And, you know, some of the flavours I've got, you know, cucumber, lime and mint is basically it's a no-hito, just needs rum. A no hito, a hard butcher. We're getting some serious sort of like down with the kids dialogue here. Um, so um, the process of making kombucha compared to the process of brewing beer, um, uh, is that a bit of a leap? No, not particularly. Um, there's a lot of sort of core values that are, are really appropriate for both of them. So cleanliness. Cleanliness is, you know, next to godliness. I spend 90% of my time in the brewery cleaning things and making sure they're absolutely spotless and sterile. That holds true for beer as well. So, you know, the, the basic principle that you're starting off with a hot liquid, you're cooling it down through a heat exchanger, putting it in a fermented vessel, a fermentation vessel. That's very similar. The cleanliness is very similar. Then there's things that are really different. So, um, any brewers among you will know that when you're making beer, you have your mash. Uh, digging out the mash commercially is quite a lot. You know, I used to do sort of 350, 400 kilos of um, wet oats and barley and you're having to dig it all out and then relocate it somewhere. Nowadays, I lift a whopping great big tea bag out of a pot, you know, and then I sort of skip through the brewery going, oh, dug out the mash and, and then they all scowl at me. Um, so, you know, there's there are similarities, but there's some major differences as well. And obviously... I'm a nano brewery. I'm really, really small scale, and that's good for the kombucha. Your kombucha doesn't like to be upscaled too much. You start losing the heart. You potentially lose the integrity. So I have. So you're of sort of doing some in industrial scale tea bagging here. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. That sounded filthy. <laughs> You know, I, I, I am a child. I can't resist it when I hear these things. Um, so do you do just one flavour or have you got all sorts of flavours? No, I've got all sorts of flavours. So uh, there's cucumber that I mentioned, so cucumber, lime and mint. I do uh, blackcurrant and ginger, a pineapple and ginger. Then I do some more interesting ones. So I've got a, an orange, pomegranate and CBD. Cause a little bit CBD is good to just calm us all down. I do a lion's mane and hops because I love... I love my medicinal wow. mushrooms. I love all mushrooms, but the medicinal ones just fascinate me. Um, and then I have a brand new one for the spring, which is nettle and goose grass, wow. which we were tempted to call sticky willy kombucha, but we just thought mm, that might be pushing it a little bit far. I, I've, I heard that. I mean, unless it was a lube or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, because I, I, mean, I've only recently called it sticky willy because someone told me online, and I think it's a very Irish thing, the whole, it's a bit of a sticky willy. Um, which we won't go into the connotations of that. Um, Goosegrass. We used to call it sticky weed, uh, but um, cleavers or whatever. Um, but that's, that's supposed to be quite good, that stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. It's a lymphatic cleanser. So, you know, with, with um, sticky willy, cleavers, whatever you want to call it, you just, just take the tips of it, steep it in water overnight, and you've got a drink that 
to be honest, my kids say tastes like pond water. I think it's a little <laughs> bit more refined than that. Um, it's sort of cucumbery sort of notes, but it's meant to be a lymphatic cleanser. I mean, personally, I know I'm drinking tons of it at the moment and you know, without being too detailed, I'm weeing a lot and it's fantastic and I feel really healthy and I just feel like a little bit brighter eyed and bushy tailed and uh, spring like. Right, so you can, <clears throat> not that you'd always want to take a piss with a sticky willy, um, because your fingers would stick to it, obviously. But um, I think but that's great. I mean, what was, a, a, a lymphatic cleanser, so yeah. what's that mean? So your lymphatic system, I'm not a medic, so it's going to be very, yeah, very rudimentary. Things, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it runs throughout your whole body, but it affects your immune system, so then your energy levels, so, you know, we're, everything's linked, isn't it? Mm. So if you're looking after your lymphatic system, then in my very novice mind, everything else is going to be a little bit better. Everything's going to run a bit better. Well, they always say with cancer, don't they, that once it gets into the lymph, you're screwed. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you can keep those lymph nodes clearer by doing something that involves running around in a hedge and picking something and sticking it in some water or drinking some kombucha, then why not? So if you like to buff your nodes up a bit, go and get yourself a handful of sticky willy and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> put it in a cup of tea and your 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 lymph nodes will be polished and shiny like a like a like a new penny um or i actually might try that myself i might try and do that I'll probably chuck a vodka in it what the fuck you know um <laughs> because um of course actually you can't do that this is something i discovered about van life by the way you can't just get pissed and sleep on the side of the road because the coppers will have you yeah i did wonder about that actually that, that's a bit of a downside i mean last night i didn't drink anything that's outrageous. It is outrageous. I woke up feeling great. It was awful. Um, <laughs> you know, the bird... I, no, I mean, it's, but it's... Actually, it's good. I think this is going to be good for me, actually, just doing that. But, um, but I mean, I was looking for things to drink other than booze. Um, kombucha could be one of those things, you Absolutely. know. Um, so I think we're going to... we're gonna. Have you got time to head up yeah, there quickly? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's we're going to head up and, and we're going to have a look and a bit of a taste of this stuff. And so I will... We will... I'll, we'll do part two in a second. Um, stay tuned. Same back channel. <laughs> so how much how much of this do you actually make um in a month or um so at the moment i do on average i do about 200 liters a week so that's about 800 bottles um like i said i've got about seven eight flavors at the moment you've got so a bottling machine or is it a hand-built process it's a hand-built process i'll show you i'll show you we've got this, this is what most microbes. This is the most Heath Robinson bottling thing you've ever seen in your life. It looks this like a bottle. It's something we're fixing bikes with. It's highly technical, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's gravity fed. So, what I have, I have a big container on the side here. Right. This is very carefully balanced. Yeah. Um, looks like it's right. going to fall off, actually. It's on a couple of beer crates. <laughs> <laughs> it's very professional, you know. Absolutely. Look at this. <laughs> gravity fed down into here we've got a little float valve here so that controls how much goes into the bottle so basically it's something that you'd normally see on the back of a toilet yeah basically basically <laughs> it's got to stop cleaner Clean, yes cleaner yes <laughs> and then it literally sits like that fills up to the level that i set it up i put a lid on and then it goes into my other wall and you do that 800 times a month 800 times a week do you, a week yes. do you like rsi uh, I've got really strong hands, actually. You have, yeah. I've, had, I've had really strong hands. I've had complaints that I'm putting my caps on too tightly, and someone said, "Oh, you you need to adjust the settings on your capping machine." <laughs> so I looked at my hands. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> 
Right, so we're going to warm rooms. Each room's very warm and it's full of large um, things. Over. This one's full of bottles of. Oh, look at all this! Wow. Yeah. So this this was yesterday's bottling actually. Mm -hmm. I did all of these yesterday. So we've got three different flavours in here. So these are unlabeled. Mm -hmm. you can see, there's some sediment in there. Right. Do you do you consume the sediment or? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like the powerhouse of goodness. Um, it's concentrated. Like concentrated. the mother inside her sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it's really, really good stuff. So these will sit here for a few days um, till they've created some fizz and I've had time to label them. Oh, so it's fizzy? It's like effervescent, yeah. So, I mean, a bit like me. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, if you... That's a shake. If you were here... Oh, see? did you hear that? Zillion. <laughs> Like a sort of weasel's flatulence, exactly. tiny but, but, tiny. but perfectly formed. Tiny, tiny but mighty. Slightly smelling of worms. <laughs> Unlike my kombucha, which I, doesn't, I, which smell, doesn't like, smell of worms. No, it smells. It smells amazing. Well, I, just, I want to. I want to smell the real stuff because so, um, no, I've seen the kind of the bacteria bit, which is you know nice, but not something you'd want to eat. But uh, this is it's looking better as we're going along. It's wonderful smell. Oh, we're in the warm rooms, going to a cold room now. It's like a Turkish bath. The it's just like yes, we keep going rooms. into different rooms, it's like us collecting crystals. <laughs> so, you can see here, my stock levels are quite frankly atrocious at the moment because well, it's good, it's selling, it's, great. it's a great complaint to have. Everyone's buying really, really quickly. So, what have we got? Help this woman, she's selling everything she's got. <laughs> it's a disaster. So, we're going to open, we're going to open a couple, we're going to open a lion's mane mm -hmm. and hops. Because that's rather lovely. And we're going to open a blackcurrant ginger. Fabulous. Because oh. that's rather lovely as well. Mm. And that's kind of all I've got. <laughs> Everything else is sold. So these are the ones no one wants. I'm <laughs> <laughs> joking. They look, look amazing. Look amazing. I'm just going to take a photograph before you open those. Oh, yeah, do that. And I'm also, I'm going to send you. So, so we've got three here. We've got. Let me just pick them up here. I can't. I'll fill up my glasses. I'd love. I'm going to get, go down and get some glasses at some point. Nettle and goosegrass. That's particularly of interest to me because obviously very foragey. Uh, we have lion's mane and hops. Now, lion's mane, as you know, you can't forage that. Or you get in a lot of trouble. You'd be like those people that pick samphire without chopping it. You'd be properly slapped. Um, but lion's mane. What's the best thing about? What, I mean, I hear all this stuff about lion's mane. Um, it's got what? cognitive function um, that it's used for. I mean, I, again, I'm not a medic, but the research that I've read, uh, I know they're doing some fantastic studies in Japan with dementia patients. And while they're taking, obviously, high concentrations of the lion's mane, their symptoms are being alleviated massively. And then they stop taking the lion's mane and their symptoms return. So it's obviously doing something. So they're mainlining lion's mane. Basically. But as with all these things, we need more research. You know, we need something that's not anecdotal mm. um, because we we deserve that. That's the problem. You see, I mean, obviously, I do generally take the piss out of a, some plants are supposed to cure absolutely everything. And that, but I do think that a lot of plants do have hidden properties and it is ancient knowledge. Um, and it does get knocked down by nasty big pharma, which we don't like. Um, so, but you're right, until it gets properly endorsed, no one can really say. I mean, there's probably some chemical in there. It's like, oh, it's that. But no one's, you know, doing the work. So absolutely right. So what, and the other one we got here is blackcurrant and ginger. Blackcurrant and ginger. Now that's a great combination. Um, I do love a bit of ginger. Ginger's extremely good for you too. Isn't ginger's it? amazing. Anti-nausea and anti all negative things in the world. I think this is how I ended up with a ginger child. Ginger people are amazing too. I think they look fabulous. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> all power 
Gin. No, I do. I think, I think, honestly, I think redheaded women are like goddesses. So, um, and I put that on the podcast now, so don't. Uh, <laughs> I'll get invited to that festival. I'll be invited to that festival in Ireland. I'll be locked in a basement with 50 redheads. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Um, right, so this one is the uh, Nettle and Goosegrass. No, Nettle, uh, Lion's Mane and Hops. Oh, I got that wrong. Lion's Mane and Hops. Okay. Lion's hops. Chin Chin. Oh, that's lovely. It's. It's got an sort of indeterminate flavour. It's sort of sweet. Well, how would you describe it? Yeah, there's a, there is. There's sweet but sour. Mm. Um, there's you taste almost a little bit of rose water in there. Think think rose now. Yes, it has a rose finish on the tongue. It kind of reminds me of a nicer version of some because um, when I lived in Asia, I used to drink a lot of cold tea. But this is like a nicer version. It's very soft. Just now you've mentioned rose water because I'm thinking that maybe that's how your palate works. But it's got a sort of um, uh, sort of de Turkish delight kind of exactly. flavour. That, that comes from the lion's mane. Right. Uh, I mean, who knew this mushroom? You know, and, and I have a lot of people who say, you know, what is lion's mane? So I tend to take a little jar out and about with me with some lion's mane in, as you do, and um, I sort of waft it at people, and they're like, "What? So it's a mushroom drink?" And it's like, "Yeah." Yeah, try it. Yeah, they try it, and they're like, "Oh, okay, it doesn't taste like mushrooms." Well, no, but then, you know, how, how, mushrooms taste different. <laughs> there are lots of mushrooms. It's true, mushrooms do taste different. This doesn't taste anything like mushrooms. It's enormous, refreshing. Mm, it is, isn't it? And then a nice singing lemony mm. citrus. Mm, yeah, it's got that too. Hop in there. It's got, it's got, it's full of adjectives, and um, obviously, chuck a vodka in it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's better with gin. Better gin, gin. <laughs> right, we'll try it with gin. All right, so I might, maybe I'll find some local gin on my gin. But that was fantastic. Right, we go moving on to okay. the um, ginger and blackcurrant. Uh -huh. um, actually, not a famous combination, so that's interesting. I like my unusual combinations, and when I used to make beer, I'd put random things in beer. I mean, I, I did a, a goosegrass and dandelion beer that went down the storm, and I remember somebody saying, well, why did you put it in there? Why? Why? And I said, well, why not, actually? To be fair, that's amazing. You get you get the black currant and you get the ginger, mm -hmm. really, really sharp. Um, is it's like licking your way around your granny's garden. It's got this sort of the, the real kind of. Um, then at the end, it's got a sort of dry, almost like a hoppy kind of it taste at the you. end. Yeah, it's got that real earthiness to it as well. Yeah, doesn't I can it? taste that in the back of my throat. I mean, this, this was one of my first flavors that I did. Um, I kind of launched with this, and it was because as I was starting to design my flavors. I have a, a massive, massive blackcurrant bush in the front garden. It, it was basically a twig that I rescued a few years ago. And it, it was absolutely covered with them. And I kind of went, hmm, blackcurrant kombucha, that sounds good. And then I like putting ginger in anything. So it works. And, and they complement each other. So you get you get the blackcurrant, you get the ginger, and then there's a sort of a yeasty... It's like having a sort of glass of, of, of something refreshing and then following it by a digested biscuit. Again, really nice, really unexpected. I am not a kombucha veteran. I am a kombucha virgin, pretty much. So my cherry is popping so loudly um, as I consume. Fantastic, right. It's good, isn't it? Really good. And healthy too. Exactly. You're going to be bouncing all day now. I will be. Look at you, firing on all the cylinders. Baby, if that happens, I'll come back for a crate. <laughs> <laughs> And then you've got. Very first here. <laughs> then you've got nettle and goosegrass, but you're not allowed to open that now because it's literally just come out of the warm room. So right. let it bounce around the van for a bit, chill down, have that later. All right, absolutely. Well, that'll be that'll be um, tonight's little treat. Exactly. Um, um, and also, um, Emma's been very kind and given me some of her own um, 
um, wild garlic pesto. Now, I know I've been taking the piss out of wild garlic pesto only because everybody makes it and I tried to make something else. But secretly, I love it, of course. So I'm going to have that with my dinner. Well, Emma, it's been an absolute legend. Thank you for the lack of toast. And the, <laughs> Next time. Next the, time. The, the coffee was very good. Fantastic story. We'll give a shout out. So quickly... Shout out what you do and where is it? Where can we, where can people get it? Okay, so website is www.curiouskombucha.co.uk. Um, I'm based near Lyme Regis in the wonderful county of Dorset, so you can find my product all around um, West Dorset, a few places further afield. But other than that, follow me on social media at Curious Kombucha, and you'll find out where I am because I attend lots of markets. So I'm out and about all the time talking to people, making them try kombucha, hijacking them, to be fair. Which is what happened to me this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Lured you with the promise of toast. A toast and, and ended up with lion's mane, which I think is an upgrade. Um, OK, well, thanks very much. Right. Back to uh, back to the back to the studio or the van where nothing works. So that was Emma from Curious Kombucha, and I think that um, you'll agree that it's a really cool little story. She's a lovely woman, really good fun. Hope to do more stuff with her, actually maybe do some video stuff with her um, as the weather gets a bit nicer. The other thing I've been doing this week, um, and I didn't actually do an interview with them, but I have done a lot of films about it, was the Poison Garden down in... Um, well, I mean, they're literally almost near Launceston, right down on the, the border with Cornwall. Um, and it's a really, really lovely story. Kelly's garden, um, Kelly's house, and it's sort of the poison garden at Kelly's house. Um, and, and the Kelly family have been at that house, right at that location. Obviously, the house is, is, is newer than this, but originally at that location for 900 years. Since the Northern, they came in as part of the Northern, um, the Norman Conquest, which, you know, oh, invaders! Well, 900 years ago, I think we're kind of over that now. Um, and they were lovely people, really sort of, you know, in their own world, they've they've created a little sort of tea room and stuff and an experience. And, you know, it's very, very low key. But actually, you know, Sophia's really, really passionate about this. She, she, she didn't set it up as a poison garden. She Her mother or grandmother or something had planted all these things. And it just turned out as she went around and started looking at what they were, that most of them were lethal. There was, I don't think that was by design. So... But it was great fun for me because I was looking for all these poisonous plants to talk about. And there it was. So um, I went around. And of course, the, the wolf spain I love. But also, you know, interesting plants. Like she had a, um, a spotted laurel, which I've not seen. Um, she had um, a bleeding heart, which has got the most bizarre. Flat. It literally looks like organs hanging on a string. Absolutely bonkers which was really really cool and and i just i just was having a great time i just ran around with my camera just making up crap as i do you know rude jokes and knob jokes and god knows what um but it was really really fun and i had a great time and she also she put me she put me up in the in the b&b &B room and the b&b &B room had a, a freestanding bath i'm six foot one this bath was so big that i i was trying to take and you probably saw on my thing i was taking some bizarre photographs not of me in the bath in a sort of you know sexual way but um you know just because i thought it was funny funny shots and i i jumped in the bath with the camera you know it was 10 second timer so i got to run across the room jump in the bath because i only had a 50 millimeter lens so the camera was right right on the other side of the room running across jump in the bath and the bath is so big that I literally went straight down and straight underwater. <laughs> so <laughs> the first photograph was just like a hand with me completely submerged, and because it was it's a huge bath, but it was so much fun um, and lovely, and you know, lovely cooked breakfast, and it was just really really nice experience to meet people like that. And of course, Devon's lovely, Dorset, Devon, all the counties in the West Country are some of my favourite places in the world. Absolutely, you know, 
bonkers idea of having a little garden. I mean, because she's got two young children, but weirdly enough, those kids have picked it up. They know how to identify the poisonous plants. It's one of those things. I've got some friends from Eastern Europe, and they learn about foraging, and they learn about poisonous plants, and they learn about edible fungi and stuff when they're very, very young. And, and, and this is what she's doing with her children. I think it's a skill that we've lost, and I think it's so good to... Um, I think it's so good to to to, to bring it back you know, as an educational tool, as a learning tool. You know, as I say, we did and we all grew up kind of knowing things about you know dock leaves or plantain leaves, which is actually better for it for things like stings. We knew about willow bark, um, you know, with salicin and stuff. But you know, I think it's interesting. That there's so much more lost information, and I think I don't know why it's been lost. People might say, oh, it's Big Pharma, but I think it got lost a long earlier than that. I think science came in and, you know, don't get you wrong, you know, medicine's great. God, where would I be without ibuprofen? <laughs> but I think it's great that we can start learning this stuff again. I think we can get into it um, um, because it, it just brings the countryside to life. And actually not just the, not, not just the countryside, it's, it's basically the cities as well. It's, all, it's, it's everywhere. Um, and it's so interesting, you know, the vitamins things contain and the minerals they contain and the poisons they contain. So I implore anybody, wherever you are, don't say, oh, I'm not in the countryside. I'm not, you know, if you, I did this in Wandsworth Park, uh, Tooting Common. Um, and what was the other place I'd go? Uh, down the road somewhere. I can't remember off the top of my head. But basically, you know, parks in London. That's where I did most of it to start with. It's all there. It's all there for, to look at. Richmond Park, uh, Hampstead Heath. Um, and you know, and, and once you, you you go to these places and you start seeing that it's not just grass and bushes. There's so much going on in there. It's so it's just it's just something I've got massively addicted to it. And I'm having so much fun with it. Um, so this is the first podcast, and I'm waffling on. Um, I have been drinking, so I'll, I'll I'll just tell you the name of this company. They're called Buck and Birch, as in buck, as in um, a male fallow deer uh, or roebuck. Um, and birch obviously and they're in scotland my friend freya from uh, at freya forages who's one of my legendary forager friends who's an absolute brilliant all-round person but also really really good at foraging and really knows her stuff and um so she was up there and i think they were doing birch tree tapping anyway she she mentioned me to them and they sent me a box so i've been out in the van i just been in switzerland last week seeing my kids and i came back and there's this box with six bottles of spirits in there um so <laughs> i know it's i'm recording this on a tuesday but you know it was a quiet day i actually didn't have a lot on and i thought well i just want to, I just want to try some of these things so that's what i've been drinking and there, there's all sorts of interesting like there's a vermouth there's a rum and i'm looking forward to making a bit of content where we can forage some things and we can make some cocktails with that um, i'm also going to be doing something in june with um a friend of mine who does a, who, who does a thing called lilith positivity body positivity and she's amazing she, she um they're definitely worth looking up i think it's at lilith body positivity photography um basically uh, what they do is she finds ladies who aren't that confident about their bodies and stuff and she takes them out in the woods they get the kit off not all the kit generally just you know down to the <laughs> smalls or whatever and puts and she's a brilliant photographer and she and she basically light you know uses the natural light and makes these wonderful photographs and these women feel really empowered because they see how beautiful they are and i think it's a wonderful thing she does and i went up to an exhibition she did up there um which i think is in yorkshire or lancashire up there uh, not lancashire uh, yorkshire somewhere 
But um, and that was wonderful. It was and so I'm going to be doing something with them in June, where a bunch of ladies are going to go out for a photo shoot, and then we're going to do some cocktails and some foraging and stuff. I think it'll be really fun. Who knows? I may even get me cut off and do some photos myself. It might be a bit of fun. But just to sort of wind this up, because this is like this is my first go at this for the country, and so it'll be a bit here and there. But I have to say, you know, to sum it up, this adventure. Um, you know, it is a struggle, and, and don't anybody doing this kind of stuff. And I hate to use the word influencer, but whatever it is, you know, social media driven things, it is a struggle because you don't always make a lot of money and you have to battle on. But it is great fun, and the thing that makes it fun is the people. And you know, I've mentioned that I get these amazing messages from people all the time. Some lovely, lovely people who I really want to go and meet, make into good friends. But all the people that that I'm going to be doing stuff with, I'm going to be shooting something things in Bristol, a radio show and some films, um, something possibly in Surrey. I've got a friend I'm going to see up in Oxfordshire. The people mostly who I've met through this who are just absolutely fabulous. And, you know, if you want to take something away from that idea, you know, I'm 50 years old and my life's been up and down. I have done 15 years of crap office jobs. I've done all that, you know. Um, I've been married and I've done that too. Um, but at the age of 50, I'm like, right i'm now going to make every single day a bloody adventure so i've got a van i can be where i want to be i've got wi-fi because i've got you know my phone so i can be wherever and i can work remotely and the sky's the limit and it's not like i'm completely outside the system but i can be if i want to be in scotland or i want to be in west country or i want to be in wales or you know norfolk i can be and i can wake up and i can look out the window and that's what i can see um and I don't mind, you know, I've never been a things person. I don't really care about houses and bathrooms and carpets. I don't, don't, I've got a little van. Well, it's actually quite a big van because I'm quite a, quite a big guy. But it's got a cooker in it and a fridge and, a, you know, an oven. And um, it's got, a, you know, a bathroom and a shower and all those things. All the things I need. And it's a really fun adventure. And I'm going to be basically going out there, talking about wild food, talking about foraging, maybe meeting people. I don't know, maybe go to some festivals, meet some local people fishermen organic farmers brewers whoever it is and just open up what i see as england and it doesn't just have to be the countryside it could be towns and cities as well but the the real people you know some of these shows i think focus on success stories or chefs from london who've set up a restaurant in cornwall or i like the real real people and i know you know the people who just on the ground the people who insist on being carbon negative even though there was a pandemic on the people who the woman i met who didn't know what to do with the garden so she's now got fifty thousand snails and she makes she sells snails you know people who had a goat farm you know i, I just think it's those are the kind of things that really really interest me and the foraging is fun because I like walking around the woods making dick jokes about mushrooms. And if you don't like it, you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> Hope that that makes sense. Maybe you'll come back next week. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love you to contact me. Uh, if you just go to at eat the country on Instagram, uh, you can DM me. Um, also, it's, it's at eat the country on Facebook as well and on TikTok. And you can message me. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Thoughts about things we can work on, um, possibly projects we can work together on, and or just your thoughts about what I'm doing. And or, or if you just want to have a go at me and have a rant, I, I will finish with something that has made me laugh. 
one of the reasons that the following got big quite quickly is I, I made a film about um, the Amanita muscaria mushroom. And whilst I was making the film, I was with my friend Freya, and she was recounting the stories to me about people, you know, drinking reindeer urine and <laughs> drinking shaman urine and stuff. And it maybe I thought it was hilarious. So I was having a great time with the film. And a lot of people, one of the funny things about mushrooms that have got a psychoactive element is because there's this big drive around mushrooms and microdosing and stuff at the moment. Everyone thinks they're a bloody expert, you know. You know, you've got, <laughs> you know, you you listen to a couple of Paul Stamets podcasts, and suddenly you're Heisenberg, you know. So fine, whatever it is, particularly in America, and these people are just going hammer and tongs. Either they're having a go at me, or they're defending me, and they're all fighting it out. Meanwhile, the thing's going viral. And I saw a message yesterday on it. It was on Facebook because I put it on Facebook now. And again, they're fighting away, um, arguing. I know this, and he's wrong, and la la la. I don't care, by the way, what they say. But this guy wrote, "Well, I guess this comment section is not going how this guy, how, the way this guy wanted, you know, because unless you know he, he's stupid, he, you know, he's 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 opened up a can of worms here." <laughs> and I just wrote, "Actually, sweetie pie, it's going exactly how I want it because I knew exactly what you guys were going to do, and and thank you for the you know eighteen thousand odd followers I've got because you guys are just fighting out on your Wikipedia level knowledge." Um, you know, it's a funny thing with social media and stuff. People squabble and fight and have a go at you and everything else. And, you know, in this in this field as, as anywhere else. But it is also exciting because social media, there's a lot of problems with social media. And it does um, cause problems for a lot of people. And people get upset about it and everything else. But as long as it's on a reasonably gentlemanly level, you know, sort of kind sort of level. It is a fascinating place to be right at the coal front because, to be honest with you, the conversations that are happening on social media are genuinely a far more genuine and um, real and important to everyday people than the kind of stuff that you see on the news or in, in the newspapers because there's no bias. Well, there is bias, individual bias, but it's real. You know, um, I don't get involved with Twitter because I think Twitter is a hate engine, um, but. And I, so I, I, I really, really enjoy all that. And I would I'd hope that people would be inspired to um, do the same. Anyway, clearly at the waffling stage. So lovely to talk to you all. That's podcast number one. Podcast number two will hopefully be coming up soon. Exciting things will be happening. And um, I look forward to seeing you all soon. So thank you, Sausages. You are amazing people that are listening. And you're amazing people that support what I'm doing. And I support what you're doing. And I love learning from you as much as you learn from me so take care have a wonderful week and i will speak to you all next time darlings oh and by the way in case you were wondering yes that was me playing the harmonica on the intro i do hate to blow my own trumpet but then this is my podcast and my channel so i can anyway see you later folks